Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, and I'm on the phone with Brian. And on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the 2022 f- Danish film, Speak No Evil, directed by Christian Taftrup, written by Christian and his brother Mads, and starring Morten Burian, Sidsel Siem Koch, and Fredja Van Huet. In this film, a Danish couple go to visit a Dutch couple they met while vacationing and run into so- some social awkward situations. If you're new to our show, Brian and I are going to have a spoiler-free discussion for the first 5 to 10 minutes here. Then we'll take a quick break, you'll hear a little bit of music, and then we'll come back, go through the plot, hit the spoilers, and get into the review of the film. Brian, this was a first watch for me, how about you? Yeah, first watch for me as well, and uh, before we say anything else, props to you on those pronunciations. I have no idea if you were correct, but (laughs) you did them all in one go on the first try, and it (laughs) sounded right to me. Yeah, no, I don't think they were, they were correct at all. <laughs> it's just like American stubbornness going through. Yeah. <laughs> you passed it off with confidence. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah, this, uh, I, I feel like it was minorly on my list, but thanks to our Discord server, I, I think there was a big conversation about this just a few weeks ago. Some people brought it up on there. And uh, I think this was kind of a bigger deal in 2022, wasn't it? it? I do remember it getting a lot of buzz and was kind of on the short list of, hey, here's the movies I'd better watch before I put out my we put out our top 10 of the year episode and that was one I didn't get around to. So yeah, I'm glad we got back around to it. And this was a request. I mean, it did have general buzz on discord. I wasn't able to like pull a specific request out of there. There may have been one, but it gets hard to keep up. But, uh, Yeon requested this a while ago. I'm going to stick to your confident pronunciations and say nice that Yeon requested it. (laughs) That's the key. Y I Y U N. So I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. Oh no. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the recommendation here. And, uh, yeah, thanks everyone on our discord server for talking about it. Uh, and yeah, 2022, I think was just such a great year in horror that, uh, I'm sure there's like a lot that we, that, that was like really good. That's probably still on our list to see. Yeah. That's an interesting thing about a great year in horror is that you don't even know what other great stuff may have been lurking, but you were so busy watching yeah, trying all to get the stuff the that got really well reviewed and was highly, highly touted. Exactly. Uh, but you, you missed some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there are a few more we got to go back and see from that year. Yeah. Um, this one, no theatrical release in the U S um, but released in other territories. It made about 631,000 on a budget of 3.1 million. Um, but it's a now it's streaming on Shutter. I think yeah, Shutter acquired the rights of this film back in 2022. So I don't think it's streaming anywhere else, is it? Not that I know of. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if maybe it can be rented somewhere on Apple or something. Um, but yeah, uh, let's see. Um, not a lot of background on this film. It's based on a true scenario that came up uh, with the director Christian, where he was in Tuscany and he got invited to go to the netherlands to see uh to meet some friends but uh, he tr- he turned it down so I, I guess this is like what happens if you don't turn it down <laughs> that's just like what could have happened yeah. why he didn't choose to go this is what was going on in his mind dear are you pretty good at making friends on while you're on vacation oh my gosh um that's a good question i don't think so i mean i think maybe for like a night or so yeah. i guess maybe yes i am because a lot of times, or back in the day at least, Kelly and I used to go on some trips with her friends, 
and they would often bring their own friends and there'd be friends of friends there. Oh, sure. And usually I'm pretty pretty good at making a bond with one or two people on those trips. And we recently went to Mexico a few months back, which was like our first big trip without the kids uh, with some of her friends. And yeah, I feel like I made a couple new vacation friends. Oh, that's really cool. I, I was want to, cause I feel like in a vacation, my biggest fear is like, Oh, I'm vacationing with this one person. Uh, and like, I'm going to get so bored. Uh, like who, who else am I going to talk to this whole time? And but I, I, I never uh, end up making friends on vacations. I, I feel like it's hard to strike up conversations. Uh, yeah, it is. It's a hard thing. I, I feel like you kind of have to have a reason. When we went to Ecuador, we stayed like, I want to say almost a month with this couple that we didn't know that wow. was a, a friend of Kelly's cousin. Oh, damn. And they were so nice and welcoming and awesome, and we all got along really well. Okay. And then we stayed in the room of an Ecuadorian couple that we didn't know for a month. Wow, brave. And Yeah, I know, <laughs> right? And that was actually kind of decent. We, Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, like, uh, after seeing a movie like this, would you do something like that again? <laughs> right? I don't I don't know. But yeah, they were also very, very kind and welcoming. Yeah, so. most of the time it works out. <laughs> Had good luck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think this movie, uh, it's cool because I, I think that's like a, as the world has become more global, as you have like Airbnb and Verbos and all that stuff like pop out, there's more like you're going places, you're staying with uh, foreigners and stuff, uh, or you're going on these like group package vacations. Uh, I think this hits on like a, a fear of like our modern times of, of traveling maybe. Yeah, and um, it was interesting, maybe this is on topic, maybe not, but I saw this tagged as a psychological horror movie. Right. And I kind of balked at that and was like, wait, psychological? I normally think of kind of maybe trippiness or just really like being in your own mind or having delusions or Mm -hmm. just a lot of paranoia infused in the film and I found a really good definition I feel like I'm on this kick lately of finding written <laughs> definitions of subgenres so thanks for bearing with me for three episodes everybody yeah. um, but Ivy Lofberg writing for Film Inquiry says in psychological horror suspicion distrust self-doubt and paranoia about oneself others or the world are present oh man and that was a great definition I felt like and I was kind of searching, digging through, like, what is a psychological horror film? Because I've, I've seen that tag. It's not the first time I've seen that tag on a movie where I was like, nah, not, not to me this isn't a psychological horror film. But that definition, first off, is a great definition. But I think it made me realize, okay, yeah, a core part of this film is a suspicion of other people and self-doubt about whether your own suspicions are valid or if you're just being paranoid. Right. So I think I just hit suspicion, self-doubt, and paranoia, which were all words she used in her definition. So I was like, oh, all yeah. right, thank you. Thank you, Ivy Lofberg. I now understand why this is a psychological horror movie. Yeah, I think that, that those are huge themes throughout this whole film. Those three words, though, I feel like can play in a lot of movies, uh, especially horror films, like usually mm-hmm. like any, any slasher. You're, you think there's someone in the woods, then you wonder if like you're overreacting and maybe there isn't someone in the woods or something. And then there's someone in the woods. So, I mean, what's the difference here? Sure. I mean, I think you have to kind of just draw the line somewhere and call it like you see it. That's the interesting thing about defining genre to me is you hit a point where you can kind of use data and hard, uh, not hard science, but like a hard definition with clear boundaries. But then within that, there's wiggle room. It almost reminds me of 
like a law class I took in college. It's just like, you can write what you think you mean, but depending on how people interpret that word, like, yeah, right. It can be what does it mean within reason or what does reasonable mean? Sure. Or, yeah, can apply yeah. a lot of interpretations there. Okay. But I think in a slasher, the threat is just more obvious and yeah. clear. And there's less room for self-doubt and paranoia. and Yeah. It, it, that comes part and parcel with a very real threat that is in clear sight. Yeah. I wonder if an aspect of like what we're talking about here, uh, is that uh, doubt, paranoia, suspicion? Like, uh, So in all horror movies, I think the characters have that. But in a movie like this, even the audience, uh, you have like some of that, like, you're suspicious, but you're not 100% sure to be suspicious. Right. Uh, so is that what we're talking about? Like, it, it kind of plays on the audience as well in that manner? I think she was speaking of the characters going through that. Okay. But I think you do kind of go through that as the audience as well. And one important thing to note about, you're trying to bring this into slashers and stuff. She says, suspicion, distrust, self-doubt, and paranoia about oneself, others, or the world. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the way she words that, it's not really like th- the paranoia that there is someone in those woods right now is a more acute paranoia about, you know, others in general or the world. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yep. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah good definition there. I feel like that that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I kind of think of like films like uh, Get Out. Uh, would you call that? I think that fits this genre too, like or that genre tag. That would, yeah, that's a, another movie I've seen psychological horror put on. And I got that one a little bit more, but I was still like, oh, I don't know. But yeah, her definition makes me understand why that would also be a psychological horror film. Right, right. Um, it's the mean-spirited horror film, too. I, I don't want to spoil anything about the movie, but I, I think that's kind of... That's a tag you'd put on this. <laughs> telegraphed. Yeah, would you not? Like, I'd oh, put yeah. it in bucket with like... Films like Goodnight Mommy or The Sadness or Wolf Creek or Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer where yeah. you're just like, God, yeah, this movie's mean. It really is. Yeah, it's mean. Uh, but it, it keeps its cards like pretty tight. Uh, like it holds them tight till the end. It gets mean. Like, yeah, in its climax, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> getting into psychology, I don't know what made me get go down this thread, but have you ever heard of the terms you stress? And dis like I know you've heard of distress, but like you stress versus distress. No, I've never heard of you stress. You stress, like E U S T R E S S, is kind of like a more positive version of stress. It's often short term and comes from something challenging but rewarding. Hmm. Often has a clear solution or way out. Like maybe uh, a presentation or something like that could be you stress, where you're like you're stressed about it, but it can go well and you can feel even better about yourself once it's done. Ah, okay, okay. And then distress can be short-term but could also be long-term, yeah. feels less manageable, more overwhelming and hopeless, and more likely to like affect you negatively health-wise just for even experiencing it. Ah, okay, okay, interesting. And I feel like this movie makes me get in my own head about what I like about horror movies. Why do some horror movies make me be like, oh, that was a blast. And some horror movies make me be like, no, like I don't like it. (laughs) I don't want (laughs) to feel that way. Yeah. And I think this is the difference. I think you stress versus distress. Like I can watch 
something where people just get chopped up to bits and there's tons of violence, but it feels like a roller coaster ride, mm-hmm. right? And there's some, there are thrills and there are moments of good, and oftentimes the ending is maybe not happy, but at least has something you can salvage and stuff. Whereas, yeah, other films I think cause me more distress, where I'm just dreading in a state of dread the whole time feeling unpleasant not enjoying what i'm seeing yeah it's like a good stress versus bad stress type thing right right yeah and it totally comes down to the intent of the filmmaker and uh it is interesting in horror you have like both of those like you can't have scary films that you come out with with like feeling like oh that was great really enjoyed that and then at the same time you can have horror films that which i I think is more true to the definition of horror is like you should walk away from it feeling like totally disturbed or, or grossed out or something and this film kind of goes that route on, in the right I think so much of it is yes the intent of the filmmaker but also really the difference in perception from the viewer like so many films that cause me you stress and like a sense of like oh I made it through that and I feel kind of jazzed whereas if I like sat my wife down and made her watch them she'd turn around and be like why <laughs> the fuck did you do that to me like, yeah yeah right angry at me for having watched yeah depends on the viewer and their threshold and how they perceive things <laughs> yeah 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 that's true uh, yeah yeah I, I think uh, that, that's a very subjective uh, subjective claim and uh, yeah it's, it's hard it comes down to the, the audience as well as the, the intent of the creator indeed uh, I indeed. wonder if anyone watches this one though and comes away with uh, you stress uh, hey uh, I did want to ask you, does comedy, did you see a comedy tag anywhere on this film? Hmm. I may have seen it mentioned as like a dark comedy or black comedy. Yeah, I thought I did too. Uh, well, that's pretty, uh, <laughs> that's a stretch. <laughs> this is a little bit of a stretch, yeah. But mm. it it is interesting. I do think there are specifically people in our Discord server who seek out more distressing films. Mm-hmm. And I think they probably get more of a eustress feeling from those movies than we do. Right, right, yeah. Or they find something... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's that's what I mean to say. They, they may find something rewarding in the distress that they've endured or it may impact them a little bit. I will say sometimes when I walk away from a more distressing movie, I'm a little bit more thankful... For my own life, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. that I'm not in a state of constant distress. Yeah, puts things in perspective, yeah, for sure. Because, you know, there is, within the movie, there may not be a clear solution or way out, like I mentioned in that definition of you stress. But for me, there is, you know, the the, the film being over will be my way out. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, I wonder what, if what makes this movie so distressful and disturbing is that, like, uh, I, I feel like when you, at the end of this movie, uh, you can, uh, from, like, a good movie, like, a, maybe on, on your eustress side, uh, there's, like, clear resolution, and you can, like, draw the line between the film and your real life. And in this one, and we'll talk about it as we go through the plot, but you could draw a lot of parallels to what's going on here. It's, like, the lives that we live and, like, trying to, like, make a meaning of it. Uh, in terms of like its implications and maybe that that idea that it lingers with you past the movie is what causes it to be so distressing yeah yeah and then you know other it sounds like there's been some psychological some like pushback in the psychological community of you know the lines aren't super clear something that is de-stressing can end up being or distressing can be something that affects you in a positive way down the road because you learn a lesson from it you develop as a person based on how you deal with it 
So the lines aren't always clear. And what seems like distress may end up being you stressed in the long term. But yeah. 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 Interesting. All right. Yeah. So we'll also check in in this film uh, where we're on that stress uh, scale. And yeah. uh, maybe check in in a few weeks to see if <laughs> how, how you feeling now. <laughs> yeah, any you stress yet? Um, what else? Uh, it, it's nominated for a bunch of awards. I, I think you know we talked about it being uh, making a lot of year end top lists. It has an eighty four percent critics review on Rotten Tomatoes, only fifty five percent audience score. I think that's switched uh, from the movie we just talked about, Lisa Frankenstein, right? Right. That was almost the the, the numbers. Those exact numbers flip, where right. critics were more like fifties and the users were more like eighties. Yeah, which yeah. totally makes sense for each of these <laughs> movies. It does. It does. Um, let's see. Anything other background you want to call out? Um, oh, the other thing I had was that Blumhouse is doing a remake of this, uh, which is coming out later this year. Um, what, what about you? Anything else? Yeah, with James McAvoy and Mackenzie Davis. Uh, it will be directed by James Watkins, who directed Eden Lake, The Woman in Black, and The Descent 2. Oh. I've seen Eden Lake on some lists of, I was Googling kind of like, what are some mean-spirited horror movies? And I've seen that mentioned on there so interesting perhaps james watkins is a good fit it feels weird for blumhouse to be the ones who are like Green yeah we want to make this kind of yeah. misanthropic movie uh whereas i feel like their their stuff is kind of lighter fare oftentimes yeah right they usually don't get so disturbing i'm, I'm really curious because uh, i feel like so much of this film is uh dependent on like the cultural backgrounds of the main characters uh, and a lot of this movie, you know, despite this being a Danish film is actually in English, which is really interesting because like, that's their common language that these, yeah. so I, yeah, I don't, why remake it? I don't, yeah, I don't get it. I, I don't see how it could be good, but it's weird that we, there are so many of these like mean European horror movies that get us remakes, funny games, good night, mommy. And now this, oh yeah. Right. <laughs> Those aren't which are th- funny games is another one people are kind of clamoring for us to cover. Oh yeah, yeah, that was on the list here. Uh, are either of those Danish as well? Oh, I meant to look up who, what countries those are from. Oh okay. okay. Um, boy, should we should we do a rare on air googling? Yeah, should we check uh, Danish horror I'll, films? I'll check Goodnight Mommy and you check Funny Games. I want to say Funny Games is German. Yeah, from ninety seven. Goodnight Mommy is an Austrian film. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, it's Austrian as well. Oh, yeah, okay. Damn, both of those films are Austrian? Yeah. Huh, go figure. Okay. Uh, yeah, some dark stuff. I don't know if we've covered many uh, Danish films on this podcast, uh, have we? I can't recall any. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I know last year I saw like The Conference, which I'm pretty sure was a Danish film. Hmm, okay. But outside of that, yeah, I, I haven't seen too much order from there. Any other background, or do you want to jump to the uh, Ohio Connection? Let's hit that Ohio connection. All right. So every movie we watch is connected to our home state of Ohio for us by our friend Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. If you're in the area, swing by for great drinks, great food, great vibes. And Alex says, Speak No Evil is a psychological horror thriller film directed by Christian Taftrup from a screenplay he co-wrote with his brother Mads. The film received an invitation to the midnight section of the 38th Sundance Film Festival, where it premiered on January 22, 2022. Other films featured in that section included former HMC film Fresh, along with Meet Me in the Bathroom, a documentary film following bands in the late 1990s and early 2000s New York music scene, including The Strokes, Interpol, and The Yeah Yeah Yeahs. 
The film touches on various topics, including the effects of the September 11th attacks, the impact of peer-to-peer file sharing and gentrification on musicians, as well as band members experiencing drug addiction and misogyny. Yeah, yeah, yeah's founding members Karen O and Brian Chase first met as students at Oberlin College, located in Oberlin, Ohio. Nice. That's awesome. The way you're nodding along makes me think you've seen that documentary. No, I've, it's uh, been on my list. I really want to see that. Have, have you seen it? No, I haven't. Ah, uh, yeah. It's uh, it came out a few years ago, and uh, it sounds really good. I, and I Were you what, into the Strokes and Interpol? Yeah, that whole scene out of, out of New York was really cool in the early 2000s. Were, were you big on that one? I wasn't as into that specific movement, but one thing I was thinking today is, boy, I'm always shitting on the aughts culturally, mm-hmm. but some of my favorite albums came from the aughts. Oh, man, yeah. You know, I just drove to Ohio this weekend, and I put on The Killer's Hot Fuss, uh, and, and I was thinking about you, because like, oh man, Brian was like, trashes this era, but this is like one of the greatest albums I've ever heard. What, what are yeah, your favorites? Indie rock in the aughts was great. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's the exception. Okay. And yeah, I don't mean to paint that whole era with a, a negative brush. I just think pop culture as a whole and everyone's perception of the world around us was kind of took a nose, <laughs> nosedive. I don't know, Especially man. from the 90s when everyone was so positive. Oh, yeah, right. I don't know, man. I, I'd give it five years. I really think we're all going to be into the early aughts and Carson Daly's and MTV era again. All right. I, it's coming, you coming might back. be right for all I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So cool. Uh, should we talk about the plot, uh, spoil the film, and review it? Let's do it. I'm girding my loins. Let's do it. All right, get ready for this. Uh, hey, do you mind if we take a quick break? I, I, I got some guests uh, staying over. I just want to go check in on them. Uh, oh, yeah. Can I call you right back? Sure, go for it. All right, I'll be back. Hey, Brian, sorry about that. I'm back. Hey, how's everything with the guests? Dude, it's so weird. Uh, they suddenly seem to not be there anymore. Uh, I, I don't know where they went. We are having like such a great time. We took them out to a nice dinner. Uh, we went out to like a park uh, during the day. And then like last night, uh, I made them listen to all like 302 episodes of our podcast. They seemed to be really into it. But suddenly they're just not there anymore. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what, what would have uh, driven them away. I have no clue, man. Yeah, I know. They really liked our early episodes. Uh, they seem to be really <laughs> oh, into I'm this. sure. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's where, that's where that comes from. Uh, so this movie opens introducing us to a main couple, our main couple, Bjorn and Luis. They are vacationing in Tuscany with their daughter, Agnes, as part of one of those group tour packages. I, I guess it's, it's not Agnes. It's like Agnes or how, how do they pronounce it? I think it's okay for us to say Agnes. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, they don't pronounce it that way. <laughs> Are you? Yeah, it's something different. <laughs> but yeah, for for this recap, we'll do Agnes. Uh, while they're in Tuscany, they come across another Dutch couple, uh, Patrick and Karen, and their son Abel. Uh, and, uh, Patrick is like, and Karen are like pretty charismatic. Um, they're like kind of taken by them and, uh, their son Abel has a tongue imp- injury or impediment that he was born with that keeps him from talking. These two couples headed off and after Bjorn and Louise return back home a few months later, a few weeks later, they receive an invitation from Patrick and Karen to come visit them in the Netherlands. 
and uh, they decide it would be rude not to go, and they decide to go visit them in this rural country setting house. Uh, what did you think of this opening and the introduction of our main characters? Uh, I liked it fine, but you can tell that things are going to go south because there is almost distractingly ominous music at kind of normal moments. Yeah. They'd just be driving down the countryside and all of a sudden the music's like... <laughs> or they're at like a musical, like a school play or something. Just like, like really yeah. music. And then it's just this loud, discordant tone. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Uh, it's I... I found that a little distracting about the film. I, I kind of wondered what it would be like if they just let it played out. But yeah, I, I suppose sometimes you kind of have to let people know the tone early on, and maybe even give them a little bit message of like, you might have to sit through some things that may seem boring, but this ominous music will let you know not to be bored, and will in fact set you on edge at even the most normal of occurrences exactly yeah because i i think the first like half hour or 45 minutes of this film like the only thing scary is the score and uh that's like what's driving like this this tenseness when like where you're seeing like play out plot wise really isn't that scary or anything right yeah right so that yeah this combo makes me think it is important and it was the right move to make um i read a book recently called the secret history by donna tart and it begins with a murder and then it's just like a hundred or two hundred pages of just getting to know characters. And I was thinking the same thing when I read this book, where I was loving it, but I was like, if this hadn't started with a murder, I'd kind of be wondering what I was reading and why. Right. But because I know what ultimately happens, I'm much more on Engaged, edge. And that yeah. kind of also speaks to that plot convention where we open the film with the ending oh. first or a narration of like, this is how I ended up dead. <laughs> it seems like you would think it would spoil the story, but sometimes it gets you, it perks yeah. your ears up a little bit. Yeah, and it keeps you engaged for like the boringness that you have to endure to get to the rest of the film. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I actually, I, I thought the score was really cool here and uh, and like how it's being paired with like pretty uh, mundane uh, scenes or uh, action, like, the, yeah, nothing exciting is happening, but this like orchestral, like really uh, atmospheric score is like kind of keeping you uh, as the audience um, just on edge uh, throughout this whole period. So I, I, I thought that combination of two things worked. Um, you I think could have been tighter. No, I think it was good. I think it was okay. good. I was just a, I was a little distracted by that score. Sure. I do think it's good to play ominous music. I still think it was just a little maybe like harsh. Okay. Like, yeah overwhelming sure um as far as like black comedy bits go there are some lines in the movie that may point to that like they're talking to this other couple that they hang out with about their invite and they're like should we go what's the worst that could happen and there's a few lines like that that seem innocent but yeah in hindsight are like oh boy in the context of a horror film <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty foreshadowing, yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, I also, I, f I found like Bjorn and Luis, like the main characters here, pretty relatable. Uh, like I think it, immediately you get a sense that Bjorn uh, isn't like very social and like he's kind of like w withdrawn a little bit. And so like his, like how like it's almost like a bromance that like jumps up like suddenly when he meets Patrick and like he's like all into him and 
and and then like they go back to their normal life and like how kind of like dull he feels in there so i i thought they did a good job of like setting up these characters and felt like very realistic what, what did you think yeah patrick makes him feel alive again yeah <laughs> I, I think not only did they do a good job setting up these characters but very good performances by everybody here especially morton burian and who plays bjorn mm-hmm. and uh sidsel coke coach who plays his wife louise i think like you said they just feel like very normal and relatable people but you get a pretty good sense of their inner lives as well through their right nuance and facial expressions and yeah. what they're not saying exactly yeah very realistic acting here uh, so then things, uh, yeah, they go to this house. Oh, actually, you know, going back to the tags, do you think uh, this has like that urban rural uh, kind of theme to it? Because like, uh, I think, you know, it's brought up earlier that Bjorn and Luis live in a city and Patrick and Karen invite them out to their home in the country. And uh, does that play a theme here of like that cultural clash between urban and rural people? That's a good question. I think the rural setting here only serves for the purposes of physical isolation. Okay. Which, of course, can be an important aspect of the city versus country type movie. But since they both meet in Italy on a vacation that you seem to have had a decent amount of money to be able to afford, yeah, I don't think you really get the class of... The clash of classes, <laughs> you know, the different social strata uh, intermingling with each other. That's I think, true. I think that part is missing. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that seems fair. So, although it is clear, although it does seem like maybe they have more money than them, but later on in the movie, but yeah, I yeah, I don't, I don't think it fits. But do you? Do you think it can? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, th- I think that's like just a, a setting. That's being yeah. used uh, versus like, uh, yeah, trying to show like differences between two sets of people. Right. It uh, has so. importance to the plot for other reasons. It's kind of. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, uh, yeah, they go to visit them at this house in the country and things are a little awkward at first. Uh, Patrick on the first night there pressures Luis to try some boar, wild boar that he'd cooked. Uh, even though Luis had told him back in Italy that she's a vegetarian uh, their daughter Agnes is made to sleep on a small bed in the room with uh, uh, Abel, uh, which is Patrick and Karen's son. Uh, and Patrick uh, seems to be kind of aggressive towards Abel, like not very caring or loving, um, and kind of like is a little bit harsh on him. And then things get really weird on their second night when Patrick and Karen invite Bjorn and Luis to go to dinner. And then last minute, they bring in a babysitter to have uh without telling bjorn and louise that like the kids aren't invited and and said you got to leave your kid at home and this babysitter is going to watch your kid and then they take patrick and karen to this roadhouse down the street uh where they have dinner and during the dinner patrick mocks louise's vegetarianism and then him and karen dance really inappropriately uh for a roadhouse and then patrick makes bjorn pay for dinner and then patrick blasts really loud music on the way back home from the restaurant, even though they ask him to put it down, but he doesn't. And then later that night, Patrick comes into the bathroom while Luis is taking a shower. And then later that night, <laughs> Luis and Patrick are, oh, Luis and Bjorn are getting physical in their room. And Patrick kind of walks by and looks at them through a window in the room. And then Agnes, Bjorn and Luis's daughter, uh, 
who tries to go to sleep with uh, her parents, but her parents are in the middle of something. So she goes and uh, and later Luis finds Agnes sleeping in the bed with Patrick and Karen who are naked. So a bunch of like, yeah, pretty weird things happen. And Luis seeing her daughter asleep in the bed with the other couple naked forces the three of them to leave the house. What do you think of like this first day or two and like all these events that are happening? Are these like all red flags or uh, what are we thinking as the audience? Oh yeah. So many red flags. There's just a million things that would make them want to leave early. And that first night she kind of hints towards it, Louise to Bjorn. She says, I don't think I like being here. I just don't find them that pleasant to be around. Mm. And he says, there's only a day and a half left. I'm sure, I'm sure you'll survive, (laughs) which is another, (laughs) you know, uh, maybe dark comedy there. I just find this type of film so uncomfortable i also think of this as i don't know if this is an official genre subgenre tag but i think of it as social horror yeah I a think little so. bit like social commentary like this and the invitation uh from 2015 and get out just like the yeah. horror the horrors that can come with interacting with other people yeah for sure um i one thing that kind of takes me out of movies like this is that the main characters always inevitably just make bad decisions. I, I, I find it would be pretty... It almost seems unreasonable that you wouldn't leave at this point. They're being downright rude. and I mean, they, they do. You're at the plot point in the plot where they do yeah. leave in the night. But Bjorn especially he doesn't seem to want to. And this dude is watching him have sex with his wife. Like, yeah. that on top of your child ending up in their bed while that dude is naked. Yep. Yeah, you, Bjorn would 100% be, he's kind of along for Louise's urgings to get out of there, but how he wouldn't also be like, okay, this is it, we got to get out of here is kind of beyond me. It's also puzzling that they would have sex in a stranger's house when they're already so uncomfortable and not having a good time. Yeah, sure. I, you know, I, I think this is very telling to what we know about Bjorn. Like, uh, he is, uh, he seems a little bit antisocial, maybe not like a lot of friends. And we find out later that, like, he feels very, like, repressed or whatever. And so I can kind of understand why he's, like, going along with this because he's, he, he kind of, like, really, like, looks up to Patrick and is, like, uh, trying to, like, a- appeal to him or appease, appease Patrick and, like, be a team player here. So, uh, I can kind of see his like why he's not like super disturbed yet and louis maybe being the one that's like more uh aware of like what's going on and like all these red flags picking up on it and uh sounding the alarm more than him you don't you don't think we're grounded enough in bjorn to like see where he's coming from with this no i I do think the movie gives us enough uh hints subtly without pointing it out and making it too obvious that bjorn does see something in Patrick that he really enjoys and is kind of wanting to stay for that reason. But you would think that, you know, even something like that has a, has a breaking point. You know, I, I guess I would just think him picking up your daughter and carrying her into his bed while he's naked mm-hmm. is that breaking point. Or yeah. him watching you have sex with your wife is that breaking point. You know, I right. I get it that they're trying to tell us Bjorn feels more alive with this guy than he does in his normal life but those those two things should have been 
yeah, it only goes up to a certain point. And sometimes I wonder if that's where some of the comedy comes into play, where it's just kind of unbelievable at this point that they would even be considering yeah. staying any longer. Right, right. Yeah, but, so it, it makes sense they're leaving here. Uh, what about the other thing you mentioned, uh, having uh, yeah, having sex there, uh, all that guy's watching or whatever. Um, so Louise, uh, she's in the shower. Patrick comes into the bathroom, uh, like pees and brushes the teeth and gets out of there. And then she comes back to the room and initiates sex. Do you think there was some, uh, what, do you, what do you think is happening there? Sure. Was she turned on by the fact that he came in it? Yeah. I do think the movie's maybe pointing to this couple lives a fairly boring, straightforward life. And perhaps they are excited in, in more ways than one about some of the ways that this couple lives yeah. their life. And they were kind of disgusted maybe and blown away by the fact that they were all over each other at the the restaurant and dancing and groping each other and making out. But a part of them wished that they they could be like that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think, yeah, that, that points like this uh, conflicting feelings that they both are kind of going through. Um, right. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I think you're right. There's at this point, there's like enough evidence, and Louise like uh, does the right thing by saying, "Let's let's get out of here." So sure. they sneak out of the house. But uh, this is really frustrating. Oh my god, I wanted to to punch somebody <laughs> when this happened. Yeah, Agnes uh, forgets her stuffed rabbit back at the house, or she thinks she has. And uh, at first, they're like, oh, "Don't worry, you know, we'll get we'll get another one, or your rabbit's gonna be fine." Uh, but Bjorn like will unwillingly, well, I guess he gives in and he turns the car around and they go back to the house. So yeah, you're kind of like shouting at the characters at this point, right? Like, why are you going back? And, uh, I, I don't know, like, does this go to the broader, uh, mentality of Bjorn, like where he doesn't want to disappoint on one hand, like we just saw him like not want to disappoint Patrick. And now it's like, he doesn't want to disappoint his daughter. Do you think that's what it is? Yeah, and I also wonder if this had some was some way wrapped up in Bjorn's relationship with Patrick as well, because earlier in the movie, when they were on that vacation in Italy, they you know they meet this, they run into this family on the streets of Italy, <laughs> of wherever whatever town Tuscany maybe Tuscany yeah, and Bjorn has just come back from searching for the bunny, which. Agnes left somewhere and Patrick is like wow you just like dropped everything and went back to find it that was you're a hero and he's like oh yeah come on and he's like no for real that's like a big deal yeah and you could tell that Bjorn's self-esteem was kind of bolstered by that right and so I wonder if that was kind of stacking the deck for Bjorn to be like all right I'm brave enough to go back oh and, yeah, and yeah get this for her I'm not afraid got it but it is utterly stupid because you just made a clean break and now you're going to have to go there and talk about right why you left or is Bjorn just like not wanting to leave and this is an excuse sure to go, to back. go back yeah also fairly immoral of him to not tell his wife p.s this dude was watching us have sex oh yeah yeah uh, and I'm, I'm willingly going back to this house yeah, I think that's an interesting thing throughout this whole film is the communication styles between Bjorn and Louise. Like they, yeah, they seem to withhold a lot from each other, and like right. he seems to like dismiss a lot of her concerns. And just, uh, yeah, I, I think that ultimately is one of their weaknesses that lead them to their downfall. Sure, they're ability to say things, but yeah, this is a frustrating moment. I feel like his audience, uh, we're all kind of uh, screaming at the screen here. But when these guys get back to the house. 
uh, Bjorn and Luis are confronted by Patrick and Karen, who are really hurt that these guys just kind of took off without saying goodbye. And so Bjorn tries to explain, uh, he like comes up with like some excuses like, oh, the bed was a little small for us. Uh, or like um, Agnes, uh, you know, couldn't, wasn't feeling comfortable, we had to leave. Then Luis kind of jumps in and like being, being a little bit more direct, being like, you know, the the restaurant last night was weird. Uh, taking your, our kid into your bed while you guys are naked, that's not cool. But uh, Patrick and Karen kind of uh, turn around on them and they're like, well, you know, your kid was knocking at your door. Uh, so where were you guys? And, uh, and if you guys like didn't want to eat meat or if like the best too small, I mean, I'm so, we're sorry, we're poor and all this stuff. So kind of like turning around and like guilt tripping these guys for attacking them. So, right. uh, I, I thought this was a really interesting conversation because you hear these guys like, uh, disturbed by like the past few events. And then these two are almost kind of like turning the tables around on them. What, what were your thoughts here? I guess this drives home the psychological horror element too, where they're just like before, well, these people are crazy, and now, okay, well, maybe we were the jerks. Exactly. They've, they've yeah. psychologically manipulated them into thinking so. Yeah, and it works, doesn't it? It works. They stay, and I don't know why you would stay again after this awkward conversation, <laughs> yeah, even no. if they did convince you. It's just <laughs> there is no awkward. comfortable time together after this conversation. Like, yeah. it's it's over. Yeah, yeah. But I agree. They, they stay. Yeah, because they stay because Patrick says, well, today is going to be a really fun day, <laughs> so right. you should stay. <laughs> so now they're really intrigued. They're like, oh, okay, we'll forget about all that, all, all that stuff if, if you say it's going to be a really fun day. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I thought this was I thought this was a really smart scene, though. Like, uh, it, it really turned the tables. And I think as the audience, too, I felt like at least uh, maybe a little bit um, doubtful that like, hey, maybe I'm, uh, I've been assuming that these guys, like they're doing something sinister, but they haven't been. Uh, what, what about you? Are, are you like, are you pretty sure that like suspicious of these guys? Or are you? Yeah, I'm pretty sure everything is gonna go horribly wrong. That these people are bad people. Oh, you you think Patrick and Karen are bad people at this point? Yeah, I'll, you didn't mention this, but Abel comes up to Bjorn at one point and opens his mouth and shows him his tongue. And I felt like I interpreted that scene as a cry for help. Mm. Um, okay, like this is something's going on here. Yeah, like I want you to see what what happened to my mouth. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh yeah, yeah, I, I I mean that yeah, that was a cool like kind of creepy scene, but I, I didn't know what it meant and uh yeah, for me I was like, oh, maybe Patrick and Karen are just like uh, yeah, a little bit different, but they're okay so far cuz at this point like they've been hanging out together for two nights maybe and uh no one's like been attacked or killed yet, so I, I assumed everything's okay. But we'll find out. <laughs> so it's their final day there uh bjorn bonds more with patrick they kind of go out into this uh rock uh rocky place and uh scream out into the void and patrick kind of like or bjorn like opens up about like how he feels like he has to be like this boring person or whatever and then we also learn that patrick who claimed he was a doctor before isn't actually employed not a, and he's not a doctor and karen suddenly starts acting like really motherly with agnes like uh, telling her to do things uh, at the table and this is like making Luis very uncomfortable and then later that evening the kids perform this dance for their parents during which Patrick gets really mad at Abel because his rhythm is so bad and he throws a mug at him and I think this is like a breaking point finally for Bjorn who like raises his voice uh, and like goes like tells Patrick to like calm down and these are just kids but Patrick doesn't really care Um, that night Bjorn wakes up when he hears the TV blasting and he finds 
he goes around kind of poking around and he finds that there's this room in this house that has a bunch of photos of Patrick and Karen with these other kids uh, that they have supposedly abducted over the years. And he realizes that these two go around like kidnapping kids and um, making them their own or something. Uh, and then, uh, so he freaks out and he goes back to the room and on the way he sees Abel, who is now lying face down in a swimming pool, supposedly dead. So, uh, Bjorn freaks out and he wakes up Luce and Agnes, doesn't tell them what he's seen, but he has them pack up the car and once again they drop off into the night. Uh, what'd you feel I like? think at least once they got into the car, he would tell them what has happened. Yeah. Because they need to know that Patrick is... A danger to everyone. What do you think his reason is of, of not telling them? Uh, not to frighten them, I guess, but really the reason to not tell them is just to frustrate the audience. Oh, <laughs> this movie is just designed to make you angry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, to me, this is like we're, we're on repeat now. Like they tried leaving once, it didn't work, and now they're trying again. Uh, but yeah, I think his decision not to tell the the mom or like louise is uh, it's back to like that communication issue between the two of them where he doesn't want to listen to her and her feelings and he keeps things to himself and uh the other thing is maybe if he tells her then he's like validating everything like she's been thinking and suspicion of and like maybe he's got an ego that he's trying to protect do you think that's there i mean that's a pretty extreme ego if you're not willing to tell your wife that and don't plan on telling your wife that you just saw a dead kid and evidence that they kidnap kids and yeah. kill people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, there's no reason that he wouldn't tell them. Yeah. And, and he later leaves them in the car unattended. Oh, boy. And to not tell them, hey, if Patrick comes by here, he is a threat. Yeah, right, right. You know, that's just negligent. And I just... I think with movies like this that are so ultra serious and try to be grounded in reality, the flaws like that just stand out even more to me. Where really? it's just like this is so illogical that it just makes me even more frustrated. Yeah. Like there's nothing supernatural about this movie. There shouldn't be these giant gaps in logic, but there there are in my eye. Isn't that what makes us uh, human, though? Uh, like the film, like people aren't necessarily like these logical. You just have a lot of emotions tied to this, uh, and their decision to stay has been very logical. Uh, their communication pattern hasn't like made a lot of sense. They're not like functioning like like it's it's isn't that like the definition of being a human? These are some just gigantic uh, gaps to me, like. I just don't know anybody who wouldn't communicate to the rest of their family that these types of things are happening. And it is a movie about failed communication for sure. But yeah, how you could get out of your car knowing that Patrick is on the road looking for you and not tell your wife and daughter, do not let him in, like get in the driver's seat and hit the gas if you see him. Mm. It, it, the decision making, and I know that as a horror fan, and I say this all the time, you're inevitably going to be angered at the character's decision making, but this is just <laughs> beyond that. To it me. is, yeah. I I rationalize it like he's panicked. Uh, he's driving. I think in his mind, if he tells her now, she's going to freak out. The kid's in the car. He doesn't want the kid to hear it. 
Um, so in his mind, he's like, okay, mental note, when we get back home, I'm going to tell her about this crazy thing that I saw. But, right. But, At a certain point, though, you need to tell your ho- your kid your the house is on fire so that uh, they yeah. know to act appropriately. Like, <laughs> sure. you could be like, hey, we're going to just run a little drill. But like, yeah. if you're separating from your kid, you need to let them know. I agree. Yeah, yeah. This is urgent. This is what's happening. Yeah. I, I don't know why I use the house on fire as an example, but to try to keep them ignorant when there is clear and present danger is yeah yeah so is hard it to believe is it bad writing or is it the character flaw i think i i, I kind of based on what we know of Bjorn, and I, I feel like this is in line with his character and it's more of like a personality flaw of his versus uh something that's just doesn't feel realistic yeah i guess i personally would call it bad writing in the sense that the character flaw goes beyond what is believable. Ah, okay, okay. It's like, no one's like that. Yeah, dumb. Okay. Maybe that's just my perception. Yeah, yep. But I I think this is, for me, like the first time in the film where now we've confirmed that, oh yeah, there's something wrong with Patrick and Karen. It isn't just like cultural differences or something being wrong. They're actually like, there's there's, uh, an intent here to harm people. Sure. Uh, Yeah. So, but but you saw that coming. Uh, it sounds like the score. Yeah, I mean, I think anybody <laughs> watching this movie saw that. <laughs> I don't know. I was wondering. Boy, you, you would you would totally have ended up in Bjorn's shoes. I, th- if you, I think so. If you were in this movie, I thought. Yeah, I thought these are just like uh, cultural differences, you know, between. It, it, that, that's another thing I love about this movie is uh, you have people from two different countries, uh, each speaking their own language, not understanding each other except when they speak English. And so a lot of like these misunderstandings between them or like how to read people are adding to the psychological horrors. Is this really uh, coming from a place of like evil intent or do we just not understand their culture or something? If it was meant to be cultural differences in language barriers, I think they could have done a better job with that. No way. I feel like as a viewer, you get a sense of that because you don't understand. Like, and the way they use the subtitles, I thought was really clever because I think when Patrick and Karen are talking to each other, they don't, they're not, we don't know what they're saying. But right. when Bjorn and uh, uh, Luis are talking to each other, we, we know. So I, I think that, that there's a clear language barrier. And then maybe the Dutch sleep naked. Do, is that possible? I don't know that there is a language barrier to. I mean, there is, but they both speak. They mm. all speak fluent English. So. Yeah. It's not quite the same. It is, but at times they choose to go into their their native language and right, right, other, which allows other. everyone to keep secrets. But I don't yeah. think would be responsible for communication barriers. Um, just yeah. communication withholding that with yeah withheld <laughs> with purposely. Yeah. Yeah, 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 purposeful. Yeah, which yeah, should yeah. create even more suspicion. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so maybe not so much uh, communication barriers. What about cultural barriers? Like, uh, like, what if? Um, yeah, I mean, y- y- there's maybe not so much of a class thing of like Bjorn and Lisa being like wealthy and these guys living in a smaller house, whatever. Maybe that isn't a huge thing. But they are from two different countries, so they've got different social norms, right? I would not care what the culture was if my kid was in bed with grown adults who were naked. That's yeah. it. We're, yeah. we're out. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And right. anybody, anybody would yeah. act that way. That's just such a... Uh, That's universal, right? Yeah. There's just things baked into this that make no sense. And I think sure. it's meant to be that way. It, it reminds me of a movie like Meet the Parents, uh, a movie that I absolutely hate because I hate to watch a character 
spiral into less and less believable (laughs) (laughs) like holes that they've dug themselves into and bad luck Mm -hmm. it's just a a silly way to construct a movie and i would be more forgiving of it if it was at all pleasurable pleasurable for me like are you still talking about the parents are you talking about to watch both. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm sure this movie is often compared to Meet the Parents. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I just hate yes, to I... watch things get worse and worse and worse for people and see them make decisions over and over again that continue to make things worse. It's just not a pleasant experience. Yeah. Not, I... At my most basic existence as a person, I have nothing super insightful or intelligent to say about that, which is kind of why I talked about distress and eustress. Like, that distresses me. There's nothing relieving or exciting or thrilling or about it. It's just hmm. getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, the thing to keep in mind, though, is like they've been with these guys for like two, two and a half days, and no, uh, yeah, really weird things have happened. No harm has come to them yet. And Bjorn, well, uh, okay, I'll, I'll put a, uh, yeah, maybe there's, I mean, yeah, well, yeah, no, no one's been, like, uh, attacked yet, and, uh, Bjorn has had, like, uh, an outlet where, like, he, you know, he went and, like, they, they screamed into the void and jumped into a hot tub and, like, uh, he's having a good time. So, I'm not sure if we're getting, like, a downward spiral yet. Like, I, I'm not sure we're getting any spiral, are we? I would just, Yeah. I, I think we're perceiving things differently. I mean, if your kid ended up in bed yeah, that with one's a weird. naked adult man, I would call that harm, even if sure. no one feels harmed by it. Like, yeah. that is harm to me. I would always remember that moment and feel like a failure as a parent. I know my kid will always have that memory, even if it's a sleepy, sleepy groggy memory. Mm-hmm. If... Your kid sees another parent throw a mug at another child, and you have to witness it too. That's psychological harm to that kid and mm-hmm. everyone in the room who witnessed it. I, uh, if your wife has been unknowingly voyeured upon, that's harm. Like, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, psychological harm. Okay, yeah, I'll, g- I'll give you that. Yeah, no one's I- been physically harmed, but yeah. you've also got Abel, who mysteriously goes out of his way to show you. His tongue and is otherwise a shy child. Like, yeah, your antenna should be up. Sure, sure. Okay, okay, yeah, I, I hear you. Okay, that's a lot of red flags, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they uh, they drive out into the night, and Bjorn sees a car following them, and he pulls off the road, and their car gets stuck. And as Brian mentioned, Bjorn, who hasn't told his family about what he saw back at the house, leaves the car to go look for help. Uh, but when he comes back, uh, he finds out Luis and Agnes are now seated in the back of the car with Patrick and Karen, who've like come uh, to, to their aid, supposedly. Bjorn gets in the car in the front seat, and uh, he knows, like, shit, like, this is, yeah, they, they've got us now. But uh, Luis and Agnes still haven't caught on to this. Um, but basically, Patrick and Karen kind of kidnap them at this point. Patrick pulls over at one point, and Karen forces Luis to uh, give Agnes to this man who's standing outside the car who's the babysitter. And in this scene, uh, this one's tough, Karen pulls out a pair of scissors and cuts Agnes's tongue, uh, letting us know that Abel wasn't actually born with that uh, tongue injury, um, that this is what these guys do is they cut the tongue of kids. This was a pretty hard scene to watch. What, what did you think? 
Uh, yeah, in vivid detail, and Bjorn is in the front seat who vomits upon realizing that his daughter's tongue has been cut off. Louise, her mother, is wailing in the back seat in psychological agony. It is a horrible scene to watch. It is, yeah. Yeah, this is this is pretty brutal. Are you uh, wondering, like, why... Like, I, I was kicking my like, why, why isn't Bjorn, like, doing more here? Like, why aren't they, like, fighting more or something? Yeah. But was, was it they weren't in a position to, or what do you think? It just feels like there's a lot more that could be done. And, yeah, Bjorn kind of gets uh, pummeled a few times by Patrick's fists, but Louise isn't doing anything in the backseat either. Like, you would think at this point that you would fight for your life. And mm-hmm. I think that's part of the theme here is the passivity of the main characters and how they've let these people walk all over them at the under the guise of being polite and not wanting to step on anybody's toes. Mm-hmm. And I think that is maybe where the bleak comedy comes in. It's a, I saw it called a satire, and that one's another genre tag that's kind of hard to buy for me, but at the same time, I kind of get it. It's just showing of how extreme we can be out of the caution of being polite, how we can let people kind of walk all over us. Yeah, fear of conflict. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, uh, Bjorn really wanting to want Patrick to like him. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of like not speaking up and the dangers of that. It kind of takes the fear of conflict and not trusting your gut about people because you feel like maybe you're in the wrong. It takes that to right. its like most extreme conclusion. Right, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and not trusting your wife. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what happens here? Patrick and Karen, they then drive Bjorn and Agnes to this remote area and make them get out of the car and strip. And at this point, they ask uh, Patrick and Karen, like, why are you doing this to us? And to your point, and I think this kind of sums off the movie, Patrick's like, uh, because you let us uh, do this to you. And yeah, I think this is all about like complicity. Um and, and uh, just allowing people to do whatever they want without uh, speaking up. So uh, the movie ends... Well, actually, yeah, then Patrick and Karen make these two naked people walk into uh, like a little area and then throw a bunch of rocks at them and kill them. And then the movie ends with Patrick and Karen now traveling the world with Agnes, and Agnes is muted since they cut off her tongue. Uh, so the cycle continues. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think about this this ending? Uh, shocking or? It is shocking. It's effectively painful, sad, and hard to watch. I mean, first with Agnes's tongue being cut off and her parents' reaction to like knowing that this is happening to their daughter and then them kind of embracing each other as they're being stoned to death is horrible to watch. And again, they don't make any effort to fight back here. They willingly take off their clothes and walk into this ditch. I know, it's crazy, right? It it is crazy. And yeah, the film addresses that with why are you doing this? Because you let me. Right. Uh, Which I also thought could be a reasonable exchange to have between the viewer and the filmmaker. (laughs) Like, (laughs) why are you making this movie? Like, why did you make this for me to watch? Like, you let me show it to you. Yeah. You sat there through the whole thing. Oh, damn, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the film is building dread the whole time, pointing towards something more ominous. And I don't know how that could have been much harder to watch. Yeah, Um, 
That I guess brutal. it could have been even more gory, but they show the tongue in vivid detail being cut off and them being stoned is a, also painted in brutal, vivid detail. And It is. I feel like we've never seen that in a horror film, like uh, that kind of like brutal stoning. Have we? Yeah, I do feel like we've seen a scene similar to that. Um, I can't recall which film, but nothing quite like that. I mean, that's horrible to watch. Yeah, it's it's rough, and uh, and then yeah, their their performance and like just how emotionally uh, beaten up they are, uh, and like the, the they have like no fight in them. It's just like yeah, so depressing to to see this ending. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And just to see their, like, the full frontal nudity here, like, actually adds to the film just because it adds to their utter shame and vulnerability. And, mm-hmm. ugh, yeah. It's disturbing. It really is. Yeah, yeah. This this uh, film uh, messes you up, I think, at the end. it's I, I can't remember the last film we've seen that's been, like, this disturbing. Like, this is, feels like another level. It's an evil movie. <laughs> yeah. I think anytime you're doing like things like this to kids, uh, you're automatically like, crossing some kind of crazy line. Yeah, right. It's, it's wild. Uh, but I think it's effective though, right? What do you think? It's certainly effective. Like they achieve their goal. Do you feel like it's in any way good for you to watch stuff like this? Like that was my only redeeming thought is that, well... I'll hug my kids tighter tonight as I, you know, kiss them goodnight before I go to bed. I'll be more grateful tomorrow <laughs> that <laughs> my life is all right. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, did I need to go through all that? <laughs> <laughs> to feel that, yeah. I don't know, man. I do think you come away with this movie, and I think this is the rare thing this movie accomplishes, is you walk away from it with like uh immediately thinking about like what do you do today that puts you in the shoes of like these main characters or like how you could be more aware of like things that maybe we do on a daily day day basis which a lot of this film does feel like a day-to-day type of movie of like not like crazy plot points or anything but just people allowing certain things to happen and like avoiding raising their voices or like uh you know getting into conflicts and how dangerous that can be and uh so yeah i do, I do think there's a positive message from like how disturbing and dark this film is that is a good kind of wake-up call in place like that satire and social commentary element um but what do you think yeah Susanna Gruder writing for IndieWire said it's a piercing commentary on the ways we accommodate others to the point of self-subjugation yeah which is basically what you just said so (laughs) it, it does have that lesson to take away from it I suppose like how are you letting people take advantage of you in your life what things don't feel right, but you're just not standing up and saying anything at the risk of offending them or getting involved in a conflict that, and you traditionally try to avoid conflict. Mm -hmm. And it makes you question, like in in this film, from your perspective, who were the villains? Was it just uh, Patrick and Karen? Or do you you feel like Bjorn and uh, Louise had a role here as a villain? Boy, I, are you okay, Ash? <laughs> Morally? <laughs> I think so. I'm trying to find it. <laughs> I was hoping you'd tell me if I am. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't call them the villains, but certainly they have character flaws that ultimately may have been what led, was what led to their demise. 
uh, let's say, I, I, I would hold them responsible to some degree for the what happens to their child. Like your, your parents and you've taken your child into like this territory. And uh, yeah, obviously you have these two people who are like child abductors or whatever. So it, we, they're spelled out. But I, I feel like this movie, uh, for me, like points out like the role of these parents in enabling their child to be exposed to this dangerous situation. Sure. I mean, they are... Uh, uh, in a way responsible for what happened to her they've failed her as parents which is part of why this conclusion is so painful i wouldn't call them villainous but a fatal error for sure for both for them and a traumatizing error for their child yeah yeah uh, ultimately fatal because they presumably will kill her eventually because that seems to be what they do with everyone's kids yeah i i think that Speaking of them doing this endless cycle, I feel like what this film is doing, because of its extremity and how utterly painful and realistic this conclusion is, I kind of feel like current, like realism is the currency that the film is trading in. And I feel like they kind of devalue that currency by having the main characters make so many unrealistic choices and by making an unreasonable proposition that this family has done this dozens of times without being caught Mm. like that's telling me dozens of families have disappeared on vacation in italy and nobody has tracked it down to this couple that sends physical postcards asking (laughs) other couples to come visit them like we know that this couple has friends who are aware of where they were going and what they were doing and who they were visiting. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And to to imply that not only has this family done this many times, but they've seemingly done so at the same location, or if not, wherever they move to, they set up a new little shrine <laughs> to homage all the people they've done this to with the photos and the suitcases and the cameras they collect. You can't forget this. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like... It's a horror movie, so it kind of almost has to have a moment like that. But does it sacrifice its own hmm. realism and and therefore yeah. some of its punch? Interesting. I feel like the the message here is so unique and dark and disturbing that maybe it overshadows some of those uh, lack of realistic like uh, yeah flaws of the film. Sure. Um, and yeah, then the extremity pays off because uh, it is like as ridiculous as it could be. Uh, well, like just to like strengthen the point of the film, right? Um, I don't know what the balance of that looks like. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think that it is probably overshadowed by the everything else going on in this movie that not many people are hung up on that. Yeah, yeah, but but that, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, the the technicals of the film, or the of the plot, of the storyline. They, they did take a lot of, like, liberty there. And, like, yeah, we, as you mentioned before, the character, some of those decisions that they make are just, like, so hard to stomach. Right, right. What do you think this movie has to say about kind of male aggression and passivity and repression? Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely where Bjorn is. And I feel like Patrick picks up on that and manipulates him throughout the whole film. Um, so... Uh, I, I don't know. Like it's it's a it's a vulnerable spot for Bjorn. Uh, there's a vulnerability to it, and the lengths that he goes to try to satisfy it to like build this friendship and connection. 
um, ends up, yeah, ends up killing his whole family. So I think is is, is male vulnerability dangerous? Our uh, bromance is something that we should be on the lookout for. Yeah, right. Like I, <clears throat> I feel like it's maybe a cautionary tale of you feel like you've narrowed yourself into this life you don't want to live but there's a lot to appreciate about that life and you've sacrificed uh some of your freedom but you've attained like comfort and something that Mm -hmm. is desirable and that maybe you felt like you wanted at some point the nine to five job yeah a little bit so this whole conversation between him and patrick where they kind of bonded Patrick says, sometimes I have this thing right here, and he points to the center of his chest, that's wild, and I kind of like it. And Bjorn's like, oh, I had that too, but I try to hold it down. Mm-hmm. Too many rules. It's like I've become this person I don't want to be. Some normal guy who takes his daughter to school, goes to work, has dinner with people I don't even like. You know, he's crying during that confession. And I wonder if the movie has a bit of a message of, I know you feel this call, this primal call to be wild and free, but there is value in your normalcy and the routine and pattern of your life. And when you stray away from that pattern and ignore the structure and the walls you've put in place as part of that life, you've just strayed into dangerous territory. Huh, that's interesting. Do you think... uh so you can't have both. You can't have uh, like the the wildlife that Patrick's leading, plus maybe like a safety net with the family. Yeah, right. I don't know. And and in Patrick saying like, "Why did you do that?" Because you let me. It's a little bit of like, you know, I don't have to repress my primal urges. Like, why should I? Because like this life has let me do that. I don't have to work. Yeah. I found a way to kill and steal and live the life I want to live. And I just wonder if it's a bit of a commentary on the the higher and lower self, if you will. Mm. Basically, the primal urge to... And I feel like there's some masculinity tied up in this too, so I don't want to get too sexist. But mm-hmm. the urge to just do as you will and not be under somebody's thumb or living within the humdrum boundaries of normal everyday society like the desire to do that and maybe what that looks like in its ultimate conclusion and maybe validating the reasons Hmm. of societal structure and societal norms yeah yeah the 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 validation of repression and and what we gain from it sure sure security safety yeah safety Though, I don't know, I almost feel like uh, Patrick takes advantage of this guy's repression in order to, uh, yeah, get what he wants out of him. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. he does manipulate that urge. Right, right. So as much as that keeps you safe, uh, it exposes you to, when you come across a a Patrick-like person. Um, But I think that's also really interesting uh, because, yeah, we kind of disregarded urban versus rural. But maybe what the clash here is is the ideology between... Yeah, you're a repressed uh, masculine person living like the the city life or whatever and like tied to the rules versus like someone who's living like outside of like social norms 
And like, this is like kind of a, a conflict between t- those two ideologies. Mm, yeah, interesting point to bring it back to your city versus rural point. I feel like that's an argument in your uh, a check in the box, you know, on your yeah. side of the page. Yeah, yeah. What was be. the expression I'm looking for? <laughs> one of those. <laughs> basically, yeah, like score one for you in your argument with yeah. the, like the city versus country divide. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I think you're right. I, I think it is saying something uh, about like the different forms of masculinity and in, in how they play against each other in this right. film. What, what do you right. think the role is of the women, though, in this? Like, is uh, are we? I, I know, like Patrick is obviously very vilified here. Is Karen uh, equally so? Yeah, I mean, not kind of equally so because she's not so much the driver, but she's some distorted form of motherhood. It's like the, it's a similar thing of like repression and stuff. She gets to dabble in this world of parenting and being motherly and guiding and grooming and primping and stuff. I feel like she's like wiping Agnes's mouth with a napkin, Mm -hmm. but as soon as it gets hard or too difficult, she can literally discard the child, swap in a new one, play with them for a while, and and go out. So she's allowed to play in this world of what society expects from her Mm -hmm. as a woman, but she does not have to commit. Yeah, right, right, right. Can just switch one out for another. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's kind of a... Uh, a similar thing of what Patrick's doing or maybe the the flip side of it. Right, where, right. Yeah. yeah. She's not necessarily running wild, but she is allowed to play in the world of uh, everyday life without truly being bound by it. Right, right. Yeah, without being... Uh, have, having those like long-term responsibilities or, or that structured kind of thing. Yeah, just doing what they yeah. want. Yeah, right. that's a, they're, they're, they're a scary couple and I, I think that they, the, the acting like really brings that out in them. Mm -hmm. well portrayed they are the acting in this movie is outstanding everyone oh yeah right down to Liva Forsberg who plays Agnes and Mariusz Domslev who plays Abel Mm, yeah maybe it's Liva Forsberg but yeah the kids are great the adults are great everyone really does their part to make this movie feel more authentic and even more painful at its conclusion (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they really hit home on this one. Uh, one other question around the plot for you. Um, so this couple, you know, they we know like so that they they go around abducting kids and, and switching kids out, um, but they wait three days to do it with this couple. Why? Why not just uh, on the first day they come over, just do their thing? There's obviously like some kind of game they're playing here, right? And uh, why are they like giving? Uh, Bjorn and Luis a chance to maybe, you know, get get out of there and like make the right decision. And like it's like you have three days, and if you don't you don't do yourself, then like you kind of deserve what we're gonna do to you. Or is it like they get pleasure out of like just like solely torturing people? I think that they're yeah getting pleasure out of playing with it and having some pleasure interacting with them. This is probably a bit of a lonely life of <laughs> a murder and thievery and yeah. I think there's some weird bastardized version of of what Louise and Bjorn enjoy about this couple is mutual to an extent. I think Patrick enjoys being the person that Bjorn is impressed with and looking up to mm. and Louise or I mean uh what's her name? 
Karen? Karen. Magnus? Oh, Karen. yeah. Karen. Yeah. Right. Uh, enjoys having other people to talk to, another couple to talk to, another woman to talk to. <laughs> Even if it's just for two, three days before you yeah. tell them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is like th- similar to her like playing in motherhood. She's playing in, oh, oh we yeah. have couple friends. I have a friend. Sure. Knowing that not for long, but yeah. yeah. She right. gets to live that life for a while. Yeah. With yeah. zero real commitment. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I was leaning that way. I was, I was leaning more towards like maybe there are like uh, there's some kind of like principle that they're holding on to where like we're not going to kill someone right away. We'll let them because they 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 basically open up the door on the on, on the second day and they're like if you guys want to go you can go. Um, right. And so there's like this illusion of choice that they give them, uh, which I thought was like, I, I think is real, and but would like kind of like uh, foil their whole plan. Right. So, I think the illusion of choice is just to maintain their innocence maybe and their squeaky clean appearance that basically if we pull the trigger too early we risk somebody getting away selling us out and then this whole thing crumbles Uh, okay it's kind of gotta go down exactly as we as we want it to go down but we want to have our fun with these people first too sure sure okay that makes sense. So you don't think it was like, uh, you, you think if like they had walked away at that point, uh, these guys would have chased them down and killed them? Hmm. That's a really good question. I'm not sure. Yeah. And then I wonder too, was there a, a true desire for Abel to have some enjoyment playing with yeah. Agnes? Was Lynn, there a, hey, Lynn. maybe we can turn it around, make this kid happy so yeah. he's less insufferable to be around? And when it turns out not so much, they kill him. Or, yeah. Or were they just planning on doing that anyway? Right. Know? Yeah. It's hard just, to it's a cycle a repeatable cycle. Yeah. Hard. Hard to tell. Uh. Well. Cool. Any other themes or strengths or weaknesses you want to call it, or do you want to jump to the rating? Oh, let's see, man. Um, cool cinematography, like cool shots of the countryside, and a good job of capturing the tension and the interpersonal situations and the conversations. Yeah, I thought cinematography was really good. I, I think the setting was just awesome. Yeah, uh, a lot of open spaces. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I think I'm ready for the rating. Oh yeah, and I, I thought the score really worked. But what were your thoughts? You, you feel like it was a little over the top? It got yeah, maybe it hit it a little heavy, but otherwise it was good score. Okay, okay, cool. Well, uh, I, you know, I, I got a pretty dark rating skill, so I, let me try to back out of that one. Uh. How many? <laughs> I'm sorry I questioned your morality and made you back away from your dark raiders. I know, man. That's what I show up here for. <laughs> That's I, a I'm, safe space go, to be go, immoral. Go with it. Be immoral. Uh, uh, well, I had children's tongues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all knew that was Okay. <laughs> Zero to five uh, children's tongues. How many did you give this one? You know, I was very tempted to summon the, uh, the N.A. that you put forth in your... What?! This is a <laughs> comprehensive story. <laughs> I know, but like, what? Okay, well, I'll just go on. Okay. I give it two out of five children's tongues. Speak No Evil is artfully crafted with the intent for its viewers to have an unpleasant experience. That intention was fulfilled, and my experience was, in fact, unpleasant. <laughs> so it achieved its goal. That's my yeah. NA. Like, how do you rate a film that seems you're not meant to like? Yeah. I didn't like it. I wasn't was I really supposed to like that feels like a hard sell it's a well-made movie well-directed uh I did have some problems with the the realism and the character choices Mm -hmm. the acting was flawless I admire some things about it it 
if it was affecting, if it was attempting to horrify me and disgust me and make me feel sad and uncomfortable, it knocked that out of the park. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, to but me, it sounds like we didn't like the movie. So yeah. it, and that's where like just the rating, the the philosophy of rating a movie comes into play too. It was like, do I pretend there's an objectivity to it, implying that I am qualified to objectively rate a movie or does it stick to my subjective feelings and if i'm sticking to subjective feelings i don't like this movie yeah and my i don't like this movie sentiment equals two out of five two out of five okay yeah i, I think that's really interesting because you can not like a movie uh for a few reasons um and like there are bad movies out there uh that are just like yeah terribly directed the plot's terrible or, or something or the acting's really bad uh, and that's very different from this one where everything's really good, but the intent is to make the viewer very uncomfortable or just disturb you or scare you or make you never want to like watch this again. And, uh, so if, if the intent is to make you not like it, then by achieving that, I feel like that defines it as a good movie then, right? Yeah. Some might say that, <laughs> but a, a big part of me is just like, why, why even make this movie? Uh, Who wants to spend hours years of their life making this movie and that's not meant to be an insult but it's just like yeah i just don't like basking in the unpleasant this is distress to me rather than you stress and sure i feel like i should be allowed to say two out of five i don't like this i don't want more of this yeah (laughs) i don't want it to be a movie i don't want to censor art but no, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely uh, not a movie that's meant to, like, yeah, please any audiences. Uh, but I, I actually, yeah, I think that's, like, one of its strengths is it, it wanted to disturb, it wanted to show you the downside or evils of uh, a world in which we avoid conflict and avoid, like, speaking up or let things go or, like, accept gaslighting or whatever and how dangerous that can be. And I, I think it accomplishes that. So I was between a three and a half and a four, but I, I think at the end of the day, the irrationality of some of the characters did bring me down a bit. So I think I'm going with four kids' tongues. I think this is a movie where, the, yeah, you're screaming at the characters is the right thing, but I think the situational horror is so masterfully done. The It's unsettling, the, the cinematography and the score really well. Then it's tied to great social commentary. And I think it does the brilliant thing that films like Get Out uh, and others do when it comes to psychological horror, where it leaves you as the audience, at least it left me as the audience, uh, in the middle at least, like not knowing where the fear or the scare is going to come from. Like I, I was there with uh, these two main characters sometimes and wondering like how much of this is like coming from a place of evil versus uh, there's actually like harm coming our way. But it, it sounds like you picked up on the harm. You thought it was going to end with Luis and Bjorn murdering Patrick and Karin? Yeah, there was a possibility there. Or the kid was possessed, or the house was haunted, or there were other murderers in the woods. There's so many... Werewolves. Werewolves, man. Never... You can't rule those guys out. They're always there. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. Before we get too far and I forget, you said you were between a three and a half and a four, but some of the character decisions put you back down, and then you said four. Oh, I did? Oh, I, yeah, I went three and a half. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so sorry. three and a half out of five is Ashran's official rating. Yeah, it. yeah, three and a half is, okay. is where, where I'm ending. Um, hey, going uh, back to the, the title, Speak No Evil, uh, how, I, I thought that was kind of brilliant because it's kind of a play on the kids, their position, plus like uh, Bjorn and, uh, in, in their position and not speaking. Right, you, you don't want to like say anything bad about your hosts or make them feel uh, bad. So yeah, you... you 
anything unpleasant, you'd rather not speak it. Yeah, exactly. Don't want to say something that leads to a conflict. And of course, they cut off the tongues of the children so they cannot speak of the evil that has befallen them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a kind of cool play on on the title. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Great. Well, anything else? Just a reiteration of wishing I had that N.A. Because it's like a movie I just, I'd rather review in a, you know, a a few paragraphs of writing or just the discussion and and not rate. Because part of me feels like two out of five is unfair, but then the other part of me is like, I hate this. I, two out of five. <laughs> no, I I think that's a completely valid uh, reason. And uh, yeah, in your mind, like this film shouldn't have been made. Is that is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that sounds that sounds bad. But um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I do see. I just like I do question the value of films like this. But then at the same time, yeah, it makes me appreciate my life a little bit more. So yeah, and I don't want to knock anybody who is a huge fan of this movie and does seek out meaner movies like this but yeah it's tough because we play in the horror genre and i could i could uh i imagine like most of the world would be like horror movies shouldn't exist like what purpose do they serve they're just like traumatizing audiences all around right and uh it's just funny like we'll we'll watch a bunch of other movies and they're fine we can rate them but then every now and then we come across movies which are just going too far maybe sure yeah yeah kind of just i I guess yeah it just points like people's individual thresholds for for things Exactly right. This is just all me and my little opinions. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's, it's good to know where, where to draw the line for for each of us. I think uh, mine is on lack of plot, which is was what was that movie um, Skin Rink? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's yeah. when you pull out your NA. Yeah, you pull it out on moral ground. I pull it out on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Films that don't make sense. <laughs> all right, cool. Anything else? I think that's it. Okay. That's going to wrap up our discussion on Speak No Evil. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That'll help other people find our show, and we always welcome the feedback. If you want to join the discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We'll announce next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram in case you want to watch it before the next episode. You can find us and other horror fans on Discord. The link to that is on our website. You can support our show on uh, Patreon, and the link to that is also on our website. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to some fun bonus content. Our logo is by Amy Mae Popart. You can check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, if you get invited to a friend's house uh, in another country, rent a room in a hotel potentially uh, until you get to know them better. And uh, if all else goes and you need a bail, uh, always go back to having explosive diarrhea. I think that's uh, something that people can't... <laughs> that's an excuse that always gets you out of things, right? Uh, an ace up the sleeve that people often forget right, that yeah. they have. Did, that's what I was thinking the whole time. Like, just say you're having stomach pain or something, or you got diarrhea, you gotta get out of it. Yeah, that's, that's a, a very good example of a illogical character decision they could have yeah. just said they really weren't feeling well and they wanted the comfort exactly yeah yeah no one's gonna stop you when you say that one yeah I'm, no afraid, one to... I'm afraid i'm gonna destroy your toilet exactly. for the sake of your bathrooms i think it's best that <laughs> you I should let me go yeah and who's gonna abduct, abduct a kid that's got explosive diarrhea right that's, yeah not a, not a great quality 